0: Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back! with another episode of the pcc multiverse this is gerald glass your coming back at you here from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there this is all of our great shows and if you can please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcast. plus if you could like share subscribe Subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, plus also as well, go ahead and check out what we do on Facebook if you like it today. you will get the latest notifications, the news and notes in the world of pop culture right there for you, plus also popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. I recently popped a review in written form on AEW's Fight Forever. Go ahead and check out what my thoughts are on that video game, plus also a recap of everything that we do right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You can go ahead and check it out today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Plus our good friends at Vampires and Vitae. Check out the latest episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Also Wild Beyond a Wishlight with Wizards and Wine. And if you can support all of that, it is sincere. Appreciate But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without the magistrate of all that is tabletop rpg action at pop culture cosmos she is a true force indeed you got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today at vampires vitae and how she creates havoc each and every time for her husband robbie ross there along with the gang and then of course the havoc that she gets while running wild beyond the witch side at wizards and wine it is my good friend see she's nodding her head in agreement on both those accounts yeah it is melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda great to have you back talking pop culture once again
1: absolutely happy to be
0: here absolutely great to have you here big shout out to all our radio stations around the world that continue to cover us right here at the pop culture cosmos we are indebted to you and hopefully your audience appreciates you going ahead and Playing us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, indeed, but it is the PCC Multiverse for this weekend. Looking forward to some great conversations, some news and notes on some reviews, advanced reviews for a couple of big movies. The last real two big movies of the summer. Sorry, DC's Blue Beetle, because we don't know exactly what the status of that is yet. But these are the two last big releases coming up next week. We'll talk about the advanced reviews for both. Plus also, as well, Pikmin 4. A return to Pikmin over a decade since the last Pikmin. We'll go ahead and see if it struck gold once again for Nintendo and why this series needs to find more love. We'll talk about that coming up. Plus also, a great deal to talk about. It concerns Comic-Con. 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 That's coming up in a few minutes as well. But my friend, the nastiness has gotten even worse with the SAG strike as far as the, the conversations back and forth, no new news or update on it. They are still like in the early stages. So you and I know how this goes already where there's the bitter talk and rah, 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 before there's that long period of, you know, going back and forth and kind of like a lull going on. then finally, after both sides get a little bit desperate or a little bit nervous, they finally come together. And, you know, after weeks of negotiation, they finally will have a kumbaya moment and go ahead and love each other once again after coming to an agreement. That usually seems the way it is. Will it be different this time? We'll see. But it is interesting to note that Netflix, that dropped its password sharing, has gained over almost actually gained over 5 million, almost 6 million subscribers. The revenue is at an all time high. It seems like they're really going with what they're doing as far as creating that mystique and still the stories of their paychecks, that the residuals that they send out to individuals that, that are appearing on their shows and movies seem to get smaller and smaller. So, It is interesting to see the dynamics of what's going on, the way that the the studios are portraying the actors, and the way the actors are portraying the studios as far as that's concerned. So, again, I just feel sad that, again, for the consumers at large that we're going to get less of a product that's out there. Your thoughts so far as we see week one in full of the Screen Actors Guild Afterstrike?
1: Yeah, I saw a lot of exactly what I figured I would see. I saw a lot of people talking about, you know, millionaires fighting with billionaires over tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. But, I mean, I I just don't want the, the smaller scale actors to get lost in all of this. You know, None, that's what only, seems
0: to be the case. That seems yeah, to always be the case.
1: Yeah, it really is just like the top like one percent um, of actors who uh, start to make. Millions of dollars at the box office. You have to become an Arnold Schwarzenegger or a Jennifer Lawrence or a Julia Roberts or a George Clooney. Um, but when you're just trying to to break in um, to acting, you're you're going to take a lot of really low paying jobs. And those low paying jobs should at least be able to pay your rent or put a little bit of food on your table. And uh, you know, a lot of the conversations over residuals and stuff like that. I'm I'm hearing you know people kind to take the side on the studios but you know if if you have a show like Jerry Seinfeld for example with Seinfeld and it's going to go to streaming and Jerry Seinfeld receives a check for 3 cents <laughs> just for example that's not okay that is still his work that is still his likeness and uh yeah i just think that uh if people should really Um, take a step back from that stance of it's millionaires fighting with billionaires because that's not the majority of what's happening. It's conversations about people who are extras and getting scanned and being used forever in perpetuity, um, their image and their likeness as background actors. And enough of them, um, from what I've heard, have actually signed it and agreed to it that they may be able to just go ahead and not need background actors anymore. That's, that's a thing that's already kind of a, a threat. And that's one of the things that I've seen some of the uh, smaller actors and stuff talking about. So it's a really complex issue. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be worked out and it just seems like the studios aren't really interested at this point in a conversation in good faith. It seems like it's still very confrontational. And uh, once they get to the good faith bargaining, then I think that we'll start to see a little bit of movement.
0: I will tell you, though, that with what we're seeing with the SAG after strike and, of course, the Writers Guild strike along with it, I mean, we haven't seen anything like this. We reported on it since 1960 when both of these industry leaders, as far as unions are concerned, both went on strike together. And it seems like at some point in time that there has to be some type of giveaway or, or some type of uh leniency as far as someone giving in to the demands of the other side and i don't know which one at this point is going to be pushing back i don't know which one is going to be folding their cards i don't know which one is going to be actually taking in what they're what they're dishing out i don't know which one is going to be able to do that at this point in time i just the the tendency is to think that the individual the smaller actors the the less successful actors the actors that are supposed to be the reason why you're doing this for the most part anyways yeah they they're the ones that could be hurt the most they're the ones that are going to be affected the most they're going to be the ones that could be affected first by this mm-hmm. they're the ones that're going to have the hardest time holding out on the strike so they're the ones i'm worried about the most
1: i'm worried about the studio executives that Ron Perlman is after <laughs> did you saw did you see that you must have seen I, that yes yeah. i have wow that guy is mad he's like big mad though he's real upset about it uh and i don't blame him but you know i it's it's really complex because now that ai is here i don't see ai going anywhere Mm. and um you know as somebody who likes to pretend that i dabble in voice acting i don't i voice over it's very different but you know as somebody who dabbles a little bit in that world you know AI is going to start taking jobs. Why pay somebody, you know, 50 bucks to voice, you know, a 30 second commercial, which is ridiculously low, by the way, when you can just plug it into AI and and AI just delivers and it's only going to continue to get better and it's only going to continue to become more and more of a threat. And I think that we have to find a way to... I don't I don't want to say embrace AI, but we need to find a way to, to be friendly with it. And I, I just it's not going anywhere. And we have to contend with that and we have to find a way to work with it and work around it, I think.
0: And on that note, when you talk about what's going on with this strike and also AI, AI is a very good issue to talk about because the fact that when it comes to AI, it's a it's a surrounding theme of the latest hit movie that's out there, a movie that hopefully will gain back its budget and then some in Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. It is a central theme to the movie, but it's also something that Tom Cruise reportedly behind the scenes has been trying to, you know, work his way around the strike to go ahead and promote the strike, but also talk to these studios about the issue of AI and try to go ahead and. Work both sides, you know, whether it's favorably or unfavorably against one or one or the other. The one thing though that I get out of it is that recently Bob Odekirk from Better Call Saul, he was on the front lines talking about how disturbed he was about, and paraphrasing here about how Tom Cruise was trying to seek a waiver so that he could promote Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. You know, I understand that there's now a blanket you cannot promote anything yeah. right now on your social media and all that uh, but i do know that they're giving some waivers for some films to be continue filming at this point in time just like giving about three or four so far already and i'm plan i'm sure they plan to do more mm-hmm. i do think it is important though to continue to promote the product to even use as a, as a platform while you're promoting the product for the sag after causes i think it's a mistake for them not to go ahead and have a type of YouTube show, podcast or using those platforms when you're at doing the the celebrity car wash as they all do, you know, going to the yes. various outlets and whatnot to go ahead and promote their film, to also promote the causes for SAG after and why they're important for this industry
1: yeah that would actually be a really interesting tactic and a wonderful way for uh, the the unions to get their message out and to get it out unfiltered um, because as you can imagine a lot of the actors are looking at you know some of the the news stations and and stuff like that that are owned by the same companies that they're on strike from. Um, and it's be, they're painting the actors in in a very poor light and saying that this is frivolous and and all that kind of stuff and that's what's getting reported on and that's truly not really the case and and I think that if they did do a YouTube channel or even a TikTok and just did three minute segments at a time and threw out a couple of those a day while you're on the picket line. Um, And help to get those messages out with some of those familiar faces and some of those familiar names that we don't know the faces of. I think that you're right. I think that would be hugely impactful. And, um, yeah, definitely something that they should consider a specific waiver for.
0: I mean, because that's something right now. I mean, you could have a podcast or YouTube channel you could do from the front lines and you could all interview Various actors and their experiences yeah. in dealing with these type of subjects to gain even more sympathy, because what we see in these these rare, you know, not rare, but these infrequent news interviews that they've done over the course of the past week, they all talk about how they were robbed or they were given so very little on their residuals. Like Mandy Moore, for instance, for this is us on some residuals that she got was reportedly under a dollar, and and other instances like that. You could continually be out in front of this with social media and have that out there by having your own show, by having your own podcast, by having your own YouTube channel, but also by pushing, especially with Barbie and Oppenheimer, which is one of the most critical weeks of the year for the movies industry for actors, actresses and the movies with those two outlets, because Barbie is trending towards a hundred million dollar opening domestically, Oppenheimer, $50 million opening. And we'll talk about the reviews for those that are here in a little bit. But I think that you should give special waivers for those individuals. And I know Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul was really against it and actually said, Tom Cruise better not show up here. He's going to get beaten up. I thought that was also, you know, uh, paraphrasing again, I thought that was very discouraging. I, I think they should be more in alignment with each other. And even if they disagree, respectfully disagree with each other, I still think you should use those car wash moments when you're talking to these other outlets the being on the Today Show, being on, you know, ET, whatever. And you should be able to go ahead and promote your product, but also promote what the SAG After Strike is all about, too, as well.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, though, you're not really in control of the message when you sit down to do those because of the, the junket and, like as you said, the car wash where people come. Oh, you Reporters can make it, you're, kind of all it.
0: All it takes is you, let's say you're the star, I'm your publicist. I'm telling you exactly what I'm going to have my clients say, and you can ask your questions based on that. They yeah, but I,
1: I still feel like you could, with uh, some clever and strategic editing of those segments, which we know does happen and does occur. I, I think that they could easily work around, you know, a message that they didn't feel like having on the well, news.
0: that's why you only accept the live shows like today, or you go on the late night talk sure. shows, uh, which definitely want to bring that up. Yeah. Well, then again, I'm sorry, they're they're all shut down because the writers' guild strikes. So never mind. But yeah. you know, I'm assuming if you go on live shows you can edit that out. You can pick and choose what you want to do or you can go on social media platforms, really large social media accounts and push what Sag after wants to really say.
1: Yeah, but if you're if you're going to do that then you have to remember too that, you know, a, a segment that was particularly heated will be picked up by other uh, stations and and whatever and there will be editing that will occur. So your live stuff is good for that live hit, but your message can get convoluted and you're not convoluted sorry your message can get skewed easily after you've done the live hit so even that i think is a little bit weird i think that doing the social media stuff and really hammering home those those ideas doing youtube shorts being on tiktok doing uh instagram stories all of that kind of stuff i think it would be hugely impactful and and i think that that's something that they should really start to consider
0: so what are your thoughts out there on how you would proceed with the sag after strike if you're on the end of the sag after folks who are fighting hard to go ahead and get better wages better opportunities and obviously prevent the future of ai from controlling their likenesses going forward so we want to hear your thoughts Popculture at yahoo.com for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friends, so much more to go before the half hour break. I want to ask you this Pikmin, they're so cute, they're so tiny, they're so lovable, absolutely fantastic. But guess what? Pikmin 4, the first Pikmin game in over a decade, now is available on the nintendo platform and it's getting rave reviews shocker upon all shockers another nintendo based game getting some grand reviews your thoughts on pikmin 4 your thoughts on the pikmin series it's something that again caters to a niche which is reason why it's not exactly the highest Mm -hmm. on the priority totem pole for nintendo but what you see there as far as quality the development of the game the the additions from previous editions that they've already made they've made some add-ons and some some modern gameplay choices that have really resonated with gamers so far
1: yeah and i i think that uh you know we we have the 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 big releases like we've seen this year and i think that these um i'm i'm gonna use the term low key and i don't know that i mean it exactly the way that low key is usually used but you know, those, those kind of niche games, they're going to hit a very specific uh, target demographic and they're going to embrace it and they're going to love it and they're going to play uh, the bejesus out of it. So I, I do think that there's, uh, there's always going to be a, a place for, for games like that. And uh, I'm glad to see that Nintendo um, is definitely not giving up on some of those, uh, you know, more targeted, very niche games.
0: Well, I will tell you what, my friend, it is really looking good. I'm hoping people will give it a chance. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh, it's available now. So go ahead and check it out. It is Pikmin 4, now available for the Nintendo Switch. It tells me, though, when they're creating games such as this, and obviously what they have plans for down the road, I understand that they're going to create a new souped-up Switch or a Switch Pro or something like that down the line in the not-too-distant future because it has already seen The the heights of the sales of the Nintendo Switch are already starting to go ahead and descend and descend a little bit. But, you know, it's sold well over 100 units, 100 million units, excuse me, sold over 100 million units. It's really done well. It's one of the greatest selling console platforms of all time. I still think it has a lot of life left. And with the latest Zelda and now Pikmin 4 and other stuff that are coming on the way, I really think that there's still plenty of life left in the Nintendo Switch.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Well, at least until PlayStation comes out with their handheld direct competitor of the Nintendo Switch. Well, it,
0: but that's not exactly a handheld. Yeah. It's ah. not exactly. A, it's, it's like a remote play. That's all it is. It's just a remote yeah. play of what you're playing on PS5. It's not its own console. It's, it's just like what, what the Vita. The Vita was awesome as far as what it could do. It was giving its own original games. Plus, it could go ahead and remote play off the PS4. And the why they decided to nix that and, and be able to not, you know, deal with that anymore was beyond me. I love that Vita. Unfortunately, it just did not get the love and support from PlayStation that it deserved. I don't think the PS5 handheld is going to do anywhere near what they would want it to do simply because of the fact that it's not its own entity, that it is just a remote play. It will sell for those that are interested in. But then again, it reminds me of so many other PlayStation apparatus that yeah. you know of mm-hmm. that has been introduced yep. and floundered and failed There's Like, I mean, it could fill up this room behind me of all the PlayStation accessories that have been introduced and failed by Sony.
1: Yeah. It's, it's almost like they, they launch some of this stuff and then they just don't have enough games that are compatible with it to make it like a long lasting piece of gear that you add to your console
0: like the PlayStation monitor or, you know, the other PlayStation branded things and that they've actually introduced. And yeah. Yeah. It's just, they just introduce it. They throw it out there. They at least found a a use for the PlayStation move controllers after they abandoned that technology. And then they brought it back with the original PSVR, but now with the PSVR two, they have no more use for the original move controllers. So they're on the way out as well. So yeah, exactly. One thing you and I go back and forth on is PlayStation, Xbox, PlayStation, Xbox. I'm not even going to talk with you on the show about the Xbox <laughs> Games Pass core rates because I still am trying to study it like a class, and I'm figuring out and figure it out. So I'm probably go on with Josh about that because that's confusing as heck. So that would actually extend our argument with xbox and playstation even more and (laughs) right (laughs) because i always get on your case about the playstation charges and all the stuff as far as the tiers and all that well xbox made it just harder for themselves on that end as well and i'll definitely talk about that on monday but with with what we're seeing though with with playstation and nintendo there's still a lot of life left in this console age we are reaching a midway point for the playstation 5 and xbox series and also a, a a kind of a near ending not quite ending but near on the way out as far as the nintendo switch is concerned i see maybe what what two or three years left before they go ahead maybe even next year that they'll introduce a new console so there is still life left for nintendo switch and also games like pikmin 4 which are doing extremely well right now on nintendo
1: right yeah i think that uh the uh the, yeah nintendo hit it and hit it hard uh with the nintendo switch and if we are going to hold out for a pro then maybe i will hold off getting my very own nintendo switch until the pro comes out
0: yeah i'd say maybe next next fall next yeah. next holiday at the earliest but it would it would, maybe the year after that but maybe next next year next year is probably a target time for them to go ahead and do so that would actually be still so good cuz then the nintendo switch itself would Still be somewhat relevant and actually might get cheaper and exactly, still even yeah. sell more units uh, for them to finally yeah. finish off the sales on that one. So we'll see what happens. But Pikmin 4 is getting some great reviews. It's right now at 88 on Metacritic. So congratulations to the team wow, behind yeah. Pikmin 4, getting some great reviews. If that's your style of game, go ahead and check it out. It is Pikmin 4. What are your thoughts? Have you played it already or plan to do so? Please let us know. Pop Culture Cosmos. At yahoo.com, but before we head to the break, my friend, I wanted to pop on something for you that you didn't have in your bylines for this week, but I wanted to go ahead and hit you up on it because we were going to talk about it last week. They said we were going to talk about this week, and that's FX's What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, what We Do in the Shadows, yes, yes, what we do in the shadows season mm-hmm. five getting rave reviews 85 on metacritic speaking of another mid to high 80s score for metacritic i usually base it off that than rotten tomatoes because rotten tomatoes i think it's just uh, not a perfect or even a good solution because it's very vague and how they go ahead and rate a positive review again i'm i'm looking at 85 metacritic for what we do in the shadows your thoughts on this as a vampire lover and i'm I mean, lover of all things vampires. Yeah. Get your mind out of the gutter there, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> your thoughts, though, on vampires and Vitae as far as from that end of it, as far as how you try to emulate some of the things that you do with what we do in the shadows.
1: Well, I, I don't think that any, you know, podcast or actual play that is in existence right now um, intends to set out to emulate what we do in the shadows but it it happens more often than not where uh, it does fall into that kind of dark humor, that kind of seemingly frivolous storylines every once in a while uh, that does tend to to pop up a little bit. But I mean, you experience the same in D and D. You intend to have a really uh, you know great uh, straightforward you know heavy RP heavy combat campaign, and before you know it, you know you're you're talking about. Uh, I don't know, riding cows, for example, like we did in Vampires in Vitae. So it all of these games do seem to share that kind of who knows what's going to happen level of unpredictability. But if you are in a, an actual play podcast or you're listening to one and it does start to hit some of the same notes as what we do in the shadows, that's not a bad thing because it's a great show and whether or not the people who are uh you know taking part in the in the podcast or the live stream whether or not they're fans of the show it doesn't seem to matter a whole lot it just seems to be there's a very common thread that goes through that type of humor that what we do in the shadows and a lot of these games uh, now seem to share unintentionally for season 1 for example uh my character anna there could be arguments out there that I was watching what we do in the shadows, and I was trying to emulate Nadia from the show. Definitely not the case at that point. I hadn't watched any of what we do in the shadows, but Ana has some of the same kind of personality quirks uh, that Nadia had, it, and it was completely uh, accidental because I hadn't been watching the show at that point. Um, but now that I do watch the show, it's kind of helping me get some of that silliness out of my system when I sit down to play the game. So not saying that my game is serious by any means, but it is kind of helping me correct course when I do go off on tangents, bless Robbie's heart.
0: <laughs> bless Robbie's heart indeed. He yeah. deals with you. He it's does. Okay. yes. Yeah. <laughs> but what are your thoughts out there on what we do in the Shadow Season 5? Let us know, potvulturecosmos at yahoo.com. But we've got a couple of minutes left before we hit the break. And I thought I'd let you vent on just before season one hits for Diablo 4, your ultimate game of games that you've been talking about oh so long and you've been playing it for so long now and you're in the 20s, I believe, as far as levels are concerned, if I remember correctly. There's a little bit of controversy because you know things can't go ultimately all well for a video game, seemingly during its life cycle. and Especially a
1: Blizzard game for some reason.
0: Yeah, so there's a recent patch that... You know, it was uh, instituted by Blizzard onto gamers, and it nerfed some things in there that just really made the community upset. To the point where it plans uh, to use the Scroll of Escape to address uh, hardcore player disconnect deaths, you know, errors like that, but also as well some you know powers taken away from some of the mm-hmm. characters. Your thoughts on this before season one hits? If they don't address these issues with Diablo Four. What is that going to do when season one hits very soon?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I I understand wanting to keep the game challenging. And, you know, sometimes it takes being released to the public and and particularly gamers to find their way to min-max your character in a way that you maybe hadn't anticipated during development of the game unfortunately that shouldn't be something that is taken away from those players that should be something that's kind of of celebrated with the players like you you figured out something that we didn't see and there's something about diablo and the enjoyment of just being able to like blast through a dungeon and just kill everything and hit the boss and you know have to take three or four tries to to get through the boss but i really that's what I love about Diablo. I love that I can set up my character. I can swap out equipment. I can go into a dungeon. I can run through it. I can kill a whole bunch of stuff. And I enjoy that part of the game a lot. I love being in the middle of a big horde of monsters and just level them all. It's my favorite thing. So when you're going to start to take that away from gamers who have figured out a combination that maybe wasn't you know, intended to work the way that it actually does when the game is being played. To me, that's a little silly. It, it feels petty. It feels small. And I don't agree with it. I also, you know, don't agree with if I was sitting at a table and a, I had a character and a DM took something away from my character and it completely nerfed my build, I would be upset about that as well. I don't think it's necessarily specific to Diablo 4 where it's the only place that it happens. Um, but right now, as it stands with the, the reception that they've had with Diablo for why would you want to taint that why start taking things away from gamers, you should be opening the gates a little bit more making that a little bit wider, if anything, up the monsters if you think that people are going through stuff too easily up the challenge rating of that stuff add more of them i don't know exactly what the answer is because i'm not privy to to the math that they use to to figure out the encounter difficulties and stuff but yeah i i don't, I don't like it when things like that are, are taken away from people who have figured out the secret sauce
0: excellent points indeed so what are your thoughts out there on the latest issues going on with diablo 4 are you mad like melinda and are ready to protest outside of blizzard right now Well, my friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here on the PCC Multiverse. The Verse. Oh, my gosh. Got to go ahead and shorten it up to The Verse. The Verse looking good here on The Verse. I will tell you, though, that Barbie and Oppenheimer, again, as I pointed out earlier on the show, is going to be one of the biggest weekends of the year. We talked yeah. about last weekend with Tom Cruise being one of the biggest weekends of the year and it underwhelmed which was very concerning if you're a theater owner. I understand that they're 15% more up than they are last year, but when you have so many high-budget, mediocre, or disappointing returns, that's got to be of concern to the movie industry and the box office industry as a whole. Right now, supposedly, Barbie is trending just below the pre-sales for Avatar, the way of water, which is obviously a very good sign. And then Oppenheimer is also trending very well as well. The critical advance word for both is tremendous. Oppenheimer right now on Metacritic has got a 90 and Barbie has an 81. So both are getting 8s, 9s, and a lot of cases for Oppenheimer 10s. And Oppenheimer will probably be considered at the very top of the list of best movies of the year and Barbie Mm -hmm. won't be too far behind and it is rare that we get a weekend where two AAA movies are put out in the same weekend and both are being beloved by critics.
1: I have a feeling that when we start to see uh, the box office results from these two movies, we may see just like a flip flop back and forth over a few weekends, where Barbie's on top, and then Oppenheimer's on top, and then Barbie's on top, and then Oppenheimer's on top. I, I think,
0: think when I think once kids go back to school, you're going to mm-hmm. see Oppenheimer grow and consistently like word about. Like for instance, with Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible's got a tremendously good word of mouth. So you should see it continue to go ahead and have good returns is what we're thinking is going to happen there. I think the same for Oppenheimer. Plus if it's rates really high as it is already, I have a feeling they'll do a re-release either near the end of this year or right around Oscar time as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean and that makes sense, you know, stretch that stretch that dollar and, and get as much as you can. But yeah, I do. I, I just think that those two movies are are going to flip flop here for the next couple of weekends. It's going to go back and forth. Uh, you know, people will go one weekend and see Barbie, and then they'll go the next weekend and see Oppenheimer. Or
0: or right you could do that. what over thirty to fifty thousand people have already bought tickets for, the meme heard around the world mm. in Barbenheimer.
1: Yeah. That sounds like a pretty fun idea, really. I mean, go to a matinee and then go to dinner and then go back and watch another movie. It's my kind of day. I like that kind of day.
0: All right. Well, are you going to get your husband on the phone then? I mean, maybe. Okay.
1: All right. <laughs> I might go do Whoa. it all by myself.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh. I
1: know. I know. Wow. No, I would, I would never. I would never. Somewhere
0: Robbie Ross is driving right now. He just got <laughs> side-smacked! Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably no. saying to himself,
1: darn that, Melinda! Right? What is she yeah. saying? No, I would, I would never, especially those two movies. Believe it or not, Robbie's actually quite curious about the Barbie movie, so it should be
0: interesting. <laughs> I've already got two young ladies, two teenage ladies at home, who are going to take me to the theater to go see it, whether I want to or not. And actually, I do want to, because it is earning such high praise but i do also want to catch oppenheimer because it also is earning such high praise indeed and oppenheimer looks like it's one of the best reviewed films of the past decade yeah possibly of the century and people are calling it a masterful achievement and christopher nolan who has ex- you know t- he has a long line of notable films mm-hmm. he has a long line of films that are very highly regarded whether you talk about interstellar where you talk about the dark knight even his last one of his last movies tenet which i really liked but i know a lot of people didn't get or a lot of people didn't right. you know sit through want to sit through i really like tenet i but again it was brought out at the wrong time when the world was going crazy and he was insistent on it coming out and he got what he wanted he should sure and there's a lot of the movies that he's created that have really done well with audiences but this could very well be his best offering.
1: Yeah, and that's that's wild. I mean, if this is him at the top of his craft, you know, how do you? How and he talked about up wanting to do, like do a that.
0: Bond film this week as well. Ooh,
1: I would love to see a Christopher Nolan Bond movie. Are you kidding me? With Henry Cavill as James Bond?
0: There you go. Absolutely. I'll sign up
1: for that. I'll sign up for that.
0: But the thing I wanted to ask you is your thoughts mm-hmm. on this because we talked about it before the break. We talked about the SAG after strike and talked about representation about having some of these actors get special allowances to go ahead and promote their movies. I think for Margot Robbie, it is extremely important for her to go ahead and be the face of this movie and to, to be allowed to promote this film because of what this would do for her career. Cause if this bombs, she will probably not be able to lead a movie again or, or, you know, if she does, it would want to be at the, at the scale. Yeah. Movies, movie companies would not want to spend $200 million on a Barbie movie or a A movie with her in the lead role simply because they would have no faith because Birds of Prey didn't resonate with audiences. And that's the last, you know, I don't know if that's not the last, not the last film that she's, she's fronted. But, that, you know, you get what I'm saying. That's the yeah. last film that she was really at the forefront of. This is a movie probably is going to do very well. It has all the earmarkings that it's going to do well, but it would be so incredibly gracious of, of everyone involved to allow her to go ahead and promote this film. And also, especially for Oppenheimer, for Cillian Murphy, this is the first time he has ever gotten this opportunity at this type of level of, of production. Yes, had, starred in Peaky Blinders. Yes, starred in, what, 28 weeks, 28 days later? Yeah, 20, I think so. We, yeah, 28, okay. He's he, 28 Days Later, the first one he yeah. started. Uh, yeah, so he starred in movies like that, but then he became mostly a, a you know, a supporting actor for some of these big films. And of course, in Christian, Christopher Nolan films, he's played roles in supporting characters for this, for, you know, some, for quite some time. This is his first big opportunity in a A budget film, I really think he should be given an opportunity to go ahead and put his face out there so people get to know him because he's the lead right now in Oppenheimer. And, and still, the average viewer, the average individual probably doesn't have a great knowledge of who he actually is.
1: That's true. That's true. And the, I mean, you're, you're – so – For me, it's a little bit complicated because we have Margot Robbie, who I agree, uh, you know, should be out promoting this film, mostly because I don't I don't know what the director of that movie looks like. But I definitely.
0: Yeah. Congratulations. She had a a baby, I guess, uh, recently as well.
1: Oh, wow. Busy lady. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But I definitely know who Christopher Nolan is. So with the Oppenheimer movie, I think it makes as much sense for Christopher Nolan uh, to kind of uh, take the the reins and do some promotion during this strike,
0: And yeah, but for it, Cillian it- Murphy's career. Oh yeah, no, I,
1: I completely agree with you, but I'm just, I'm just thinking in terms of like what I would be thinking if, if I saw these requests come through, uh, and you know, I was sitting on the, with the union, I would be like, well, okay, Margot Robbie, I think it makes sense. Um, the director's not quite as familiar, although Barbie right now with the, the promos and stuff that have already been done, uh, I think it's already a runaway freight train. And I think that People may be, who may be on the fence about Oppenheimer, despite all of the good stuff that we're hearing about it, um, I think that they could hear just as much from Christopher Nolan and be sold on the film as they could from uh, the lead actor.
0: See, you only know him as the lead actor. That's I know, and that's... Cillian that, Murphy, that's part of the problem. That's 100%. exactly why... Yeah, no, exactly.
1: I, I I, absolutely agree with you. I do, I do think that this is unfortunate timing, particularly for him, um, but I think that... Um, because of that that weird situation i think that yeah it makes as much sense for nolan to do it as it does for murphy
0: uh, but i just the reason why he needs to be out in the forefront mm. is exactly what you just explained yeah. as you called him the lead actor and because yeah. you're not alone millions of people are calling him the lead actor of oppenheimer they're not calling him cillian murphy killian yeah. murphy however you want to pronounce it they're only calling him the lead actor of Oppenheimer. And by this time next year, when, or in earlier, you know, 2024, when the, when the Oscars comes around and he'll most likely be on that short list. And, you know, I think it's safe to say he'll be on the very short list of best actor nominations, possibly a win for him right now, because the way everybody's describing it is again, the best reviewed movie of the year so far, to the best of my knowledge, at least at that scale yeah. of, of presentation, I have a feeling that he's going to be at the forefront. So you'll probably know his name sometime next year as the winner, as the either a nomination or uh, winning the lead actor category at the Oscars. But still, it just would help for him and his career going forward. But obviously, you know, at this point in time, since he's not made any big public stink about it, He's probably being very gracious as to how he's handling it as far as the SAG after strike is concerned, even though, again, next week, a publication of, of just putting his face out there would have been so much more helpful for him and the movie itself.
1: Yeah, my my next thought about uh him though is that he never really seems comfortable when you're watching him in a print press junket. He always seems like No,
0: you're it's, right.
1: it's just it's just not where he wants to be. It's not what he wants to be doing. He would much but rather he, be.
0: Well, he's always said though, he wanted to be and how wanted to have a leading role in such a grand production. Yeah. He's got his opportunity. hmm. And it looks like he's done a great job with it.
1: Yeah, I would say so. And you know, the the it could actually. Uh, no, I don't think so. That's the whole point of our conversation. I was like, maybe it will, you know, benefit him to be, you know, a, a little less known. And then when the wave of, you know, fandom starts to surround him, um, it would be uh, more organically done. But I that's exactly what we're talking about. And that doesn't make any sense. I'm just contradicting myself now. (laughs) I think Nolan is the right choice for now to go ahead and promote the film. Should this strike, let's just pretend end in like two days, then absolutely go absolutely wild. But I think that Nolan should be involved in all of those interviews. I think he should be side by side with
0: them. Oh, you will. And you already are getting a heavy dose of Nolan. Yeah. Right now. Promoting Oppenheimer. Yeah. Because, you know, he's consistently talked about how, he is one of the most important human beings of all time, you know, at least of the last century. And, you know, he's, he's, he's talking about, this is one of the greatest stories that needed to be told, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, obviously I don't want to underwhelm it by any stretch of the imagination because I understand the contributions that uh, Oppenheimer did make, whether you think positively or negatively on it. One cannot, underestimate the importance of what Oppenheimer did for the world, either again, on a positive or a negative basis, however you see it. Yeah, well, I agree. But, uh, you know, the, the word right now is that the life that has been portrayed on screen by Christopher Nolan, uh, the going back and forth between color and black and white, the transitions, the the whole aesthetics, the look really get the feel of what it was like in the 1940s at the closing weeks of the world closing year weeks and months of world war ii that's part that's very interesting to me because that's something that's not alluded to very often as far as in historical dramas or world war ii dramas because we always see like the actioneers or uh whether you know this this ragtag group of individuals, this yeah. outfit that only they can save the you know, the, the this part of the world as far as and save us from World War II. We always see that as far as the heroics of that, but we don't see it, you know, other parts of World War II such as how it ended, mm-hmm. such as how life was during that point in time, and how again, impactful the creation of the nuclear bomb was to our society and our culture at large.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I can only tell you the stories that, you know, my grandfather uh, who served in World War II told me about how he heard uh, that the war had ended when he was on the front lines. So, uh, you know, I can only speak to, to that, but, you know, it, it's always going to be an interesting look at, at all of that. And, you know, man, you just really hope that when movies like this come out, people look at it and remember that war is not, and should not be what we're striving to go towards and should sometimes never be the answer. It should never be. And it's, it's, it only hurts the populations. It never hurts the people who uh, decide that this is what we're going to do. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a horrible thing. And, um, here's hoping that, you know, we don't have to live through that reality anytime soon.
0: I agree with you a hundred percent. And as they always say, if you don't learn from your history you're doomed to repeat it and let's hope that is definitely not the case but Oppenheimer based on the life of Oppenheimer himself uh, that has garnered tremendous reviews again is one not only the best the best reviewed movie of the year but it is possibly one of the best reviewed movies of the century in Oppenheimer and also, not too far behind is Barbie. That's also getting strong reviews, and that has a great lead-in as far as money built up in advanced pre-tickets selling. It has earned as, almost as much as Avatar The Way of Water, and that's definitely some high praise indeed. So people are excited for those two movies. What are your thoughts on Barbenheimer? Hmm. Do you, Are you ready to go check out Barbie Barbenheimer? Have you got your tickets already set for both movies, or are you deciding between one or the other? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, Well, my friend, before we head on out, we've had a great conversation indeed, but I'm not as excited as I should be, Melinda. I should, I should actually be in San Diego right now. Oh, my gosh. If all went well, Yeah. and the... Comic-Con, the SAG strike, everything got together. Everybody would be at Comic-Con. All the stars would be at Comic-Con. Hopefully, it's it's going to
1: give people an opportunity to take in stuff that they normally wouldn't have seen because they would be in those huge halls with all of the actors and TV shows and movies. And that's a good point
0: because everything that was pushed to the side yeah, because of Marvel and DC and all the heavyweight movies that were intending to be there or TV shows that were intending to be there, yeah, we'll now get a bigger spotlight of it. And there's going to be a lot of presentations, some movies, advanced looks, TV shows, advanced look that you wouldn't normally get anywhere else. But you get to go ahead if you're down there and get to check it out. I'm really excited to go ahead and hear thoughts on that. Also, as well, the displays that are there, Lego has built a Blockbuster video display on site. And if you get to see the pictures of it, it's truly fantastic. So that's there on site. And I would love to go ahead just to see that. That would have gone cool to see that. But also as well, the collectors on the show floor go ahead and get the rare San Diego collectibles like Funko Pop. Funko Pop makes specific Funkos for that specific event. And you have to wait in line for hours yeah. just to go ahead and get a chance to buy it. You know the resale values on those are, are, are crazy, but... Yeah, just to see that, all that going on, just to be a part of that for the cosplay, the whole nine yards. I think a lot of people are still going to have a lot of fun this weekend at Comic Con.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I I don't know um, because the Comic Cons that I've attended, I mean, the the biggest panel I've ever taken in was uh, the full cast, minus Will Wheaton. Of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, so I got to see like Tasha Yar and, and all that stuff. All interact on stage, but really, the the parts of the the convention that I really enjoyed, and this was up in Montreal, was you know walking around on uh, the the floor and being able to buy some of those really cool things that you know you wouldn't necessarily have come across in any other way um that to me is really the the fun part of comic-con and and finding you know that geek family of yours if you're dressed up like a character from doctor who and you go and you take a picture with 300 other doctor who fans that's really to me the magic of comic-con it's not sitting in the big halls watching trailers for movies that aren't coming out for another three years
0: I'll tell you what, my friend, it's very exciting to see what will happen this weekend. Josh and I will cover the aftermath on the Monday show, the Pop Culture mm-hmm. Cosmos, and talk about what went on at Comic-Con. It won't be as monumental as our Comic-Con shows of the past where we were talking about, oh, this is the lineup coming from Marvel. This is what's going to happen yeah. for DC, et cetera, et cetera. But it should still be a lot of fun talking about Comic-Con, and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely looking forward to it, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on San Diego Comic-Con? Are you attending this weekend, or are you really excited to still hear a lot of stuff going on that's emanating from San Diego, a place I enjoy, have been to many times, I absolutely love? I guess I'm going to try and go again next year, whether or not registration lets me in, whether or not registration at Comic-Con actually answers my emails. That remains to be seen. But what are your thoughts out there on San Diego Comic-Con this weekend? Are you sad because there's going to be some light attendance from the actors because of what's going on with the strike? Let us know your thoughts. If you're still going to enjoy San Diego Comic-Con 2023, Cosmos, at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. You killed it as always. But before you give us the usual pitch for Vampires Vite* mm-hmm. and how you suck the life out of your own husband right there on the screen <laughs> on Vampires of Vitae on YouTube. You know, I just, <laughs> he's such a good sport. Yes. Uh but I told you the other day I was very disturbed again by Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Not yeah. this latest episode that aired just that that was, you know, that aired today. I haven't checked that out yet, but the right. last episode. Dealt with Spock, uh, some issues in regards uh, him accidentally being turned human, uh, full human. You know he's half human, mm-hmm. but full human uh, caused problems uh, as far as a a engagement party for the the in laws, and that did not go well. And in the meantime, his fiance broke up with him. But Nurse Chapel, who in the original series if you go way back when had a nice flirtation with with spock had a nice affection for spock Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if it was always reciprocated and how you know when i saw it it was like you know spock is so emotionless expressiveness on screen that you can't tell if he was really doing the same thing in kind as far as having those same kind of feelings in kind Especially because of the fact they did play out the fiance and the you know, the and the homeworld of Vulcan and all that on the original series. They've now changed that timeline mm-hmm. as well as changing the con timeline. What the week before that. So yeah. as my Star Trek therapist, mm-hmm. I'm trying to gather in all the Star Trek knowledge that I've had over the years and wondering Are they just truly intending to go ahead and blow up the the timeline? What's next? Is Pike's future that he had already envisioned and seen, which we've already seen in the original series, is that next to be blown up and smashed to bits?
1: Well, I mean, it's hard to say. Are they really going to kill off Captain Pike when it comes time? I mean, that's... Because
0: he's envisioned it as far as him getting the debilitating injury in a training accident, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. He's already foreseen this. Yeah. And this is the type of thing that you saw in the original series that he actually gets this debilitating accident. Now, because he's seen it, are they going to change it be, you know for the you know prospect of just being able to get more seasons out of the series?
1: Yeah, I I think sometimes it's almost easier to look at Star Trek and think of Star Trek as a different universe. For each series, so you know the the next generation. Yes, we've see, we have familiar names and and familiar aliens and and familiar you know other things happening, uh, but I think that if you just start to take them and kind of put each one in its own little bubble and put it over here, and then we can put Strange New Worlds. We could put that over here. Um, I I think that that timeline stuff and uh, the established lore stuff. Um, might
0: become a little less important. But I'm, Temple I, and Spock, there's more than a flirt. Let's just say there's more than a flirtation. Now it's full on.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, I have no problems interlude. with this. Yeah, I have no problems with this. I really don't. Um, I think that, um, there should be an understanding as a fan, um, of any show that goes back and and tries to tell the stories of, uh, and expand on storylines. It's oh, they're also, expanding, all right. Yeah, there's always going to be some kind of conflict that happens with what came before, and I think that they've done a pretty good job of so far anyway of honoring the things that have come before. Um, but building on the things that they are trying to, the stories that they are trying to tell. So I don't have a problem with Spock and Nurse Chapel. I think that's fine. Go ahead. Do it. I, and I do think that there's amazing chemistry between those two characters. I really do.
0: <laughs> well, they're doing it all right. Yeah. But before we, <laughs> before we, thank you so much again. You're my Star Trek therapist. I'll make sure I send the bill to you. Yeah. I uh, truly appreciate it. But before we head <laughs> on just the way you phrase that, it's like, yeah, they are. But before, I just meant
1: go ahead with the flirtation and all of that
0: stuff. Oh, it's beyond the flirtation now if you yeah. watch the last episode. That's yeah. all I'll say about that. But yeah. before we end it out, please go ahead and give us an update on what's going on with you and your husband and the fantastic crew known as Vampires of Vitae.
1: Yeah, so um, last week, I mean, we had the the mystery that um, we have delved a little deeper into as to um, not only who uh, committed the murder on the train, but now also who it was that was truly murdered because who we thought it was was actually a decoy. Um, so we're kind of getting to the bottom of that. We're trying to figure out uh, who the assassin was. Uh, We're seeing some uh, really interesting stuff from uh, different uh, properties in the world of darkness come into play. We've got some Mage the Awakening happening in there. Uh, We have uh, werewolves that have been popping up already this season and we're only five episodes in. So uh, if you would like to, our next episode will drop tomorrow. And that's going to talk about, you know, what we did last week in the live stream on Sunday. Uh, This weekend, uh, you know, it's going to be more investigating and I'm sure more shenanigans from Barnaby and rusty that's oh, all a sure. guarantee yeah
0: if you've seen it how i seen it when i watch your show <laughs> yes shenanigans <laughs> is probably the nicest way of saying what's yeah. going on with vampires of vitae but i will tell you what it's been a great ride so far season three please go ahead and check it out today not only on spotify or apple podcasts but also subscribe today to the youtube channel to get the latest notifications on when the next vampires of vitae hits for you any last thoughts on Wizards & Wine before we head on out? Yeah, uh,
1: so Wizards & Wine, um, we have a, a few episodes now in the can, so we're going to start looking at uh, getting things scheduled and, and getting episodes dropping on a regular basis. And um, I'm still working away on uh, two of the homebrew campaigns that we're going to get into for the next season. We are probably, I'm going to say, because we play both tables kind of bi-weekly, I'm going to say about three to four months out from uh, wrapping up the Wild Beyond the Witchlight. We're in Yawn, we're inside of Motherhorn. Uh, the Halifax table has discovered a source of power for uh, all of Motherhorn, and the Vegas table is kind of right on their heels. So we'll see how that goes. There is gonna be a showdown with the, a coven of hags versus both tables working together. That's the plan. So hopefully it'll work that way.
0: <laughs> a coven of hags. Yeah. Tags are my
1: favorite D&D monster. They are my favorite.
0: Wow, there's a joke in there somewhere. I just (laughs) wish they were. Hey, birds of a feather. Birds of a feather indeed. (laughs) So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a uh, great